Broadcasting from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia to around the globe. You're listening to Shark Bite Biz, your exclusive place for business strategy, sales, marketing, and tech in the roaring 20s. And now, here's your host, David Strausser. Welcome to another rockin' edition of Shark Bite Biz. I'm your always fabulous and glamorous host, David Strausser, and this is your place to learn how to grow a business during complete chaos. First, make sure you check out my article on Forbes.com. I'm hoping it is out by the time this episode actually airs. I'll be pumping it out through all my social media accounts, both through Sharkbite Biz and my personal David Strasser accounts. So definitely follow us. I'll be putting it in the descriptions of the video once it's available. It's got a ton a ton of good tidbits about what we all learned in 2020 during the pandemic in regards to business. We are going to discuss a bunch of topics today all around business growth. I got on one of the best experts I could find, but first off, a big, big shout out to that girl, Charlie, TGC Worldwide, Charlie Fusco, who you may remember from a past episode this season for the introduction to today's guest. You all know by now, I give credit to all those around me. I think that's an important thing right there. In fact, I tell all my guests, okay? I, myself, I may know what you're talking about. I'm not trying to be a know-it-all or anything like that. I can't stand know-it-alls. You probably feel the same way, too. My job is to make my guests look like rock stars, build the people up around me for the experts that they are. And while you bask in success, you have to be humble, modest, and give credit to those around you that help you along the way. That's one of the big philosophies of mine. I really view that if I pump other people up, I help other people out. I give them credit for when they gave me an idea or inspiration or whatever. It's all going to come back to me full circle. And to be truthful, it has. The past six, seven years of my life have probably been the most prosperous seven years of my life. So, And it just keeps getting better and better and better. So I keep doing it more and more and more. Makes sense, right? <laughs> so while we're going to be talking about today is going to be about identifying some mindsets and really just creating great companies. We're going to discuss topics about growing, but also reducing the red tape bureaucracy in your business as you grow. You should not have to have your managers wielding a machete to get things done in your company. You do not need to add layers upon layers of admin as you grow. Well, you do need to add some admin, okay. Yeah, we know that. But you need to do it smartly and efficient. This will allow you to have an excellent strategy for faster growth and higher profitability. So who is today's guest? Business growth expert and top-selling author, Howard Shore. 
Howard Chur, founder and CEO of Activate Group, is a best-selling author and serial entrepreneur specializing in liberating C-suite teams from the barriers holding them back personally and professionally. After owning and selling several of his own companies, working with numerous top Fortune 500 companies, and training with performance-enhancing organizations like Scaling Up and Gazelles, Howard has become a sought-after business mentor, executive coach, and keynote speaker. His clients work in family-owned, multinational, public, and private companies, ranging from $1 million to over $1 billion in annual revenue. With a 30-year track record of success, he guarantees any organization that his methods and systems can help them become more profitable, stable, and scalable. And if you have not noticed, I got his book, The Leader Launchpad, right there. Howard, thank you so much for the little note card that you put in there and sending me an autographed copy. I love autographed books. If you come on this show, you got a book. Side it, send it to me. I will display it. It will be on my bookshelf displayed prominently. I don't know. I guess you could say that's a fetish of mine. Whatever it is, I love them. Thank you, Howard. I am going to read the heck out of this and take every word to heart. So without further ado, I'll stop rambling and let's bring Howard on in here. Business Operations. Howard, welcome to Shark Bite Biz. You are now Shark Bait. <laughs> I'm excited to be Shark Bait. <laughs> no, that, that's probably the most enthusiastic response I've gotten yet. So you're perfect. <laughs> so let me, we have a tradition here on the show. Very first question is always, hey, what's your background? What's your experience? Basically, what makes Howard Howard? Man, that's a great question. And I love telling the story because just like every other entrepreneur, there's a journey we go through. And oh yeah. So, so my journey even started out when I was was young because getting through school and everything I did, I had ADHD, dyslexia, sleep apnea. I used to fall uncontrollably in class, even back in elementary school. I got in so much trouble growing up. Uh, because yeah. I had these issues. And so you can imagine for me to read a book, to get through the stuff I needed to do, to pay attention in class was, I was not the best, uh, best on the planet. And my entire life, because of some of these challenges, people have been telling me I can't. You can't mm -hmm. do this, you can't do that. And by the way, I went on, you know, got my MBA, I got all these other degrees, even though everybody said, oh, don't go to college. And I owned my first yeah. business when I was 18 because my parents talked me out of going to college. And, uh, and they said, we just don't do that in our family. And you, Howard, I gotta be honest, I'm not <laughs> sure this whole thing is gonna work great for you. Um, but, but, you know, to fast forward, so I owned my first business when 18, I saw when I was 21 and I do all these things to, as I accelerate in, in three mm -hmm. Fortune 500 companies and so forth. And as I looked over time, I realized there was a problem. So the book didn't necessarily match the cover. So if you look at the resume, <laughs> the, the all the degrees and certifications, you'd be like, wow, fantastic. I've created over a billion dollars worth of value. But right. here's the crazy thing. The crazy thing was the only reason I think I was successful is I just worked three times harder than everybody else. Yeah, I was not a very good leader. 
I was not very good at aligning everybody. I was just a bulldog pushing everything through. I can remember my first business people crying uh, in, in our office. So, you know, as you fast forward, what I realized was there's, there's got to be a better way because I would look around, you know, the Fortune 500 companies, uh -huh. half the people weren't motivated. They were just right. doing the minimum so they wouldn't get fired. And they were basically hiding in plain sight. I'm like, really? When you start adding up all those people that are giving you half, I can have half the people, right? Um, yeah. So I looked at this and then I realized, you know, a lot of the other leaders were going through the same challenges that I had, that they knew they could be a better leader. They knew there was a better way. They couldn't figure it out. And so that led me to the journey of, so how do I work half and accomplish more? How do I, and, and a, a big part of that was, is how do you actually exact the true value of everybody who reports to you, not just the value out of yourself. And so right. the people that I found that did super well, that actually practiced that whole work smarter, not harder thing, they yeah. were doing a much better job of getting two to three times the results out of their people compared to people in similar roles working with similar people. And I'm like, wow, how do we do that? <laughs> so, so fast forward, that's what I decided to commit my life to because I realized all of us as entrepreneurs are just using, leaving tons of money on the table and it just it ripped my stomach. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think the working harder, working smarter, not, I mean, that's critical for me. What I do at my day job, vision 33 is we sell efficiency. We sell automation, stuff like that. And that's really rubbed off on me because no matter what I am doing in life or whatever it is, I always look at everything. Is that the most efficient way to get it done? I mean, I look through life with those glasses. Is that a good thing or a bad thing, Howard? So, and, and you and I were talking about this uh, before we got on. Yeah. So what you said is you're really good at operational effectiveness, mm -hmm. but being strategic takes you a level above operational effectiveness. So I'll give you an example. We, we have um, in this firm and, and other companies I own, one of the things I start beating up on is too many sales channels. Um, we're going right. to sell at trade shows. We're going to we're going to sell speaking. We're going to do all these different channels, and then realizing you're not great at any of them because you're chasing all those channels. So strategically, rather than being very efficient at too many channels, right. I would rather pick two or three and kill it, and then become operationally yeah. effective on that. But if you don't step back, you can be very efficient on the wrong things. Yeah, no, that that's perfect advice. And I think it really comes down to, I mean, I've heard this a million times, you know, do you really want to be an expert two or three things and just go out there and kill it? Because if you try to do five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 things, I mean, you're just going to spread yourself, so, you know, so thin that it's going to be hard to operate at that high level that you want to execute at. Totally agreed. And, and actually, I'm so glad you brought that up for everybody that's listening to this. So um, many templates you see when people use these templates for how to plan, say, listen, mm -hmm. you know, no more than five priorities. I'm going to tell you five priorities are too much. If you have five priorities as a company, and depending on your size, you start cascading that down, the way it affects and goes across your organization and all the different layers, you know, one initiative, one focus for the year could be 50 projects in your company if you're oh, not yeah. careful. 
So not only do you at the top level have to think three, but then you've got to go to each leader in the organization and align their three to the top three. And then you got to go down lower and say, mm -hmm. does everybody know what those three are and how they contribute and how, and you know, one of my favorite things is I've got a no button that I have here on my mm -hmm. desk. I say no a lot, but the stop <laughs> button. We have to, if you want to accomplish more, probably the biggest value everybody can figure out is figuring out the things they're going to stop doing to free them up. And you have to say no a lot more than yes. And if you're not, you've got a problem. You are a yes person. And then you're saying yes to everything. And you will never accomplish what you're capable of by being a yes person. Yeah, so I don't have a no button, but I do have an easy button. <laughs> I don't know if you remember those from the Staples commercials. I got it. And so easy can get you in trouble, right? Yeah. Because easy means I have to say yes a lot. The, yeah, that's the no true. button. And by the way, I did this in my house. Guys uh, and uh, guys and gals do this with your kids. So it is known in my house that no matter what you ask for, the first answer is going to be no. And then you have to negotiate for yes. So if they want to join a group or do whatever they want to do, you know, why should we allow you to do that? What's in it for everyone to do that? They got a pitch and they get no a lot more often than yes, but it, it really taught them to learn how to think through just chasing everything everywhere. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting that you say that because what's flashing through my mind is in our industry, you know, we bring up our sales reps like, yes, you want to say yes, to as much as you can when a customer is asking you about functionalities or this or that, but actually saying no and, and pushing back puts you in a little bit of more of a powerful position to negotiate rather than just saying, yep, 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 yep. Plus it's more believable, I think, to the customers as well too, because then you're not just being the yes man and giving them everything they want with the sun, the moon, and the sky. God, you just hit something that um, <laughs> um, uh, drives me nuts. So I, I told you I owned a SaaS company. Yeah. And as we were building it from startup, my partners were very focused on features and mm -hmm. you know the different modules they're gonna offer and, and all these different things. and. For me, I'm like, that's where we will spend so much money on the software. We'll never get to market. Not only that, but then you're going to try to please every single thing that anybody asks for as we build this. We're never going to get out of the gate. So really what we had to narrow down to is a few problems we wanted to solve mm -hmm. in the market that everybody else was missing and build that. And so when everybody else says, well, I want this and that, usually when you looked at the existing providers, well, they already had that and it's not helping them get the results they want. So the key for our business to grow it was to keep them laser beam focused on the problem we solve that everyone else is missing. And that helped us narrow the number of things we needed to build down dramatically. Yeah, I can back that story up as well, too. I mean, with us, again, going back with Vision 33, like, for example, we have portals, customer portals, employee portals that connect to the database of the ERP platform our customers are using. And with that, everything used to be a one-off. Everything was always custom, customized, custom, custom. And it is such a hassle to maintain that, to build that, 
every other project goes into some form of escalation because it's not working or meeting, it's taking too long, whatever it may be. And eventually what we did was last year, we said, that's it, no more customizations. This is the portal, take it, leave it. If someone needs a customization, tell us. If it makes sense, we'll build it into the actual project, the product itself but we're not gonna do a one-off for anybody. It's too hard to keep people happy. So, and, the, and there's a couple of things you can still get in trouble with. So whether you're planning your business, people that are listening to this, or you're choosing which products and services, where to say yes or no to your customers, your employees and so forth, I want you to think of a matrix in your head right now. On the left side of the matrix, I want you to think about the word impact. The higher up you go on the left axis, the more impact whatever you're going to do is have. And then the bottom axis, what I want you to think about is how difficult is this? So too often, I see organizations focus on something that's very difficult that's going to have low impact. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's like chasing squirrels, all right? It looks like the shiny object, I'm going to go do it. And then on the other side, what you also don't want to be is what I would say is chasing bubbles. So you remember as a kid, um, mm-hmm. it was really easy to catch the bubbles and then you did it and then so what, right? It's, yeah. well, that was fun, but you know, I'm tired of just chasing bubbles. It's not a really big impact. Um, and by the way, the where the squirrel came from was for any of you that have a dog, your dog probably did what mine did, was every time it saw, saw a squirrel, its brain shut off and it had to catch that squirrel. Now, my dog never wow. caught a squirrel, but I always ask the dog if you caught the squirrel, um, so what? What are you going to do with the squirrel when you get it? You won't even know. You know, you're, you'll be off, you'll be like bored, you caught the squirrel. So what I want you to start thinking about is what are those high impact projects, the ones that are gonna get you a lot more customers, get you a lot more profitable, make your business so much more simple, that easy button, and mm-hmm. then put those on a scale, which ones are easier for you to do and are high impact and which ones are harder in all of your priorities all of the changes to your products and services need to stay up in those areas. Oh yeah, totally, totally understand with that. So one of the questions here that I wanna ask you is, why is engaging with your employees one of the keys to, to actual growth? So uh, we've had, and, and, and this has kind of been our track record of getting like helping our clients. And one of them actually gave us a, a quote recently. I asked him, why do you come back every year? You've been with us a long time. And she's like, every year you challenge us to set what we thought were impossible goals. And then we beat them. So then we are one, we did impossible. Year two, we did impossible. Year three. Well, what I'll tell you is, is in that particular business, uh, when they, they came to us, uh, they it taken 20 years to get to $7 million of revenue. Three right. years later, they did 22. And the difference, and there's no secret, this is not a secret, the reason we were able to do that was we engaged more employees. So, you know, right. I talked about earlier when I was working in that big corporation, half the employee people were sitting around counting ceiling tiles, right? They were really not engaged. And so what we taught them how to do and what what all of us need to do as leaders, which I admittedly sucked at when I was earlier in my management career, is we have to figure out 
how to get those people to be super creative, to be thinking on their feet, giving their all every day because they're passionate about what they're doing with you. Mm -hmm. And so when you do that and you go back to that company I was telling you about, we tripled their engagement score over the uh, same period. So we had triple wow. the number of employees that were mm -hmm. fully engaged. And so by doing that, that's why they triple in revenue. And more importantly, because they engaged those people, they didn't have to incrementally add as many people to support that growth rate. So proportionately had far less people to generate the 22 than they right. did the seven. So their profit margin actually became an industry leading profit margin. No, that, that's really great. So with that, then, because I mean, we were talking about employees and them helping you grow your business with them buying in. What are good ways then that we're able to reduce the turnover to be able to increase that cash flow then? So, you know, I learned a big lesson. Uh, anybody who's listening to this, if you've never led in a nonprofit and actually been even at the top of a nonprofit, that was the biggest learning lesson for me on the planet. Uh, and I and where I did it, I, I did Boy Scouts and I was running, mm -hmm. actually wound up growing the largest pack in the whole state of Florida. And it started off small. We made it really profitable. And what I learned from that was here I had a lot of people working for me, doing mm -hmm. things for me, and they didn't have to. I wasn't paying them. They all had full-time jobs for the most part. They were all overwhelmed with their full-time jobs. And now this was extra stuff. And the way right. in which I was able to engage them was around this fancy word everybody uses, purpose. Yeah. Purpose gives more meaning to things. When I'm doing something purposeful, I'm going to knock down walls, I'm going to climb over them, I'm going to dig underneath them because that mission is so important to me. So what was interesting is, is the way in which I rallied um, and I went from only three leaders trying to support a large unit to over 20 people being considered part of my leadership team is mm -hmm. I went to all the dads and I said, would you like to become closer to your sons well yeah and then i asked him I, how good are you at that right now and they all kind of duck their head and they're like their stomach started getting funny i said this is our way of getting so close with our kids but that means that we have to be all in together to make this an amazing experience for all of us so they were all in not for boy scouts but to be closer with their sons that got right. people to sign up for stuff they never would have signed up for, for before. So purpose is one thing. You've got to bring meaning to whatever you're doing. It can't be just you're going to get a paycheck or, you know, we're going to be the largest in our industry. No. How are you help them see how not only is the company changing the face of your industry, you got to help them understand how they contribute. And that gets them to bring more. The second way in which you can get them more engaged is clarity. Right. So one of the biggest things I see in most companies is, you know, if you ever notice you're driving on a roadway if and it's cloudy and rainy and dark, you're going to drive slower, right? You're going to be more cautious. You're going to be hesitant. But if I push you on a highway 
that there's no cars on the road and it's sunny and there's nothing, man, you're pedal to the metal. Our job as leaders is to create so much clarity that everybody feels like they are on that clear road. So they don't have to worry. They don't have any fear. They don't have any concerns and they can just hit the gas. The challenge as leaders is, and, and lots of research has proven this, we are horrible at that. We are great in our own heads of what we think need to be done. But when you go down to the front lines, they don't have a clue. You go down to that second level, they don't have a clue. Right. And those are the people serving your customers. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's definitely something in there that I think is a struggle for a lot of companies right now. And one of the things that you just talked about, which is, you know, with the leaders and stuff, what is the single thing that all the leaders can do then to help with this and how can they do it? So many times it starts at a top down, but right. uh, you know, one of the things we did in one of the larger companies I was in, we actually brought people from all levels of the company into our planning process to understand the obstacles and hurdles at all levels. But what's got to happen is, first of all, you've got to be aligned at the top. And too often you're not. You're, you sit in a room, everybody has the bobblehead. And they're like, all right, we're going to do that. We're going to go. And then, um, and let's say the plan is as soon as we leave the room, we're going to go right. Half the team goes left. Right. So if that starts at the top, you have no hope of getting everybody singing from the same sheet of music in your company. So that means you have to have more debate. You have to have more conflict. You've got to listen when somebody at the front lines tells you that what you want to do is not going to work the way you want to do it. So they're not necessarily saying no, they're saying no this way because you're not right. seeing the customer. So you've got to work from the top down and you've got to start aligning. So starting with those three priorities, you've got to push this all the way down so at every level it's clear how each person contributes. Do they all understand why they get paid? What they do to get paid? Do they understand the two to three, sometimes it's one, but most of the time there's two to three key yeah. performance indicators that tell you whether you had a good day or a good week. Is that clear? Is that aligned though with those top level goals that you have? Many times they're not. So the very important thing is you need to connect the dots and it takes far more work than usually you're willing to do. But by not connecting the dots, you actually leak a lot of money out of your company. You slow your progress and you you just you have money spilling out of the top of the bucket so you oh, yeah. really got to spend the rigor to make sure everybody understands how it connects and you probably don't understand how it all connects because you're just looking at it from your seats yes i got three things that come out of there two of them are cliches that i caught which was pretty much uh lead by example and also you know it, it comes from the top down is pretty much what i'm hearing with that and then the third thing is an example, again, reflecting to the day job, I have Vision 33. We, five years ago when I started, we really did not have KPIs public that people could see it and stuff like that. Everybody essentially had to track it themselves. But what we started doing slowly over the last five years is, you know, we log in, we got these beautiful dashboards showing us these gnarly KPIs to the minute, who's closing deals, who's leading, who's doing this or that. And I think the engagement and the energy around that 
went up extraordinarily just because, you know, it's like, oh, crap, man. Roy down in Houston or Dallas, wherever he is, just closed the deal. And it's like uh, $800,000 deal. I got to go get out there. It, it just motivates. Uh, and it, especially in times like this, like we're in these chaotic times with everything going on around the pandemic. I think that it brings positivity to your employees, to your team that, wow, look, even with uh, the apocalypse happening outside our windows, basically we, you know, we're still doing pretty good with business. Things are solid. We're actually closing more deals. We're, we're growing. And I think it really just gives people a chance to look at the real upside of it to see how they have an impact. And I just want to take that KPI thing differently. So a common mistake I made mm -hmm. as a CEO, and probably still do today if I'm transparent, <laughs> um, hopefully far less often than I did before, is when we find a problem. So I was just sitting with a CEO right before this, and we were talking through some of his numbers and the aberrations between uh, the different sales team members, their their um, their conversion ratios, the number of deals they're closing per month, and all of that. And there was a wide variation. So his natural tendency would be, I need to figure this out and tell everybody what to do. We flipped that around and said, Listen, they're all in the seats. They can see one person has a 50% conversion ratio and another one has 30. They need to put their heads together and they need mm -hmm. to bring the solutions to the table. So now they all own it and almost competitively, well, if that guy can do 50, you know, 30, I need to do better. I'm going to learn from that person, but I do this better than he does. So I'm going to teach them. And if you do that every week in meetings where you take down your biggest problems, your biggest concerns in the numbers and make the front lines, front lines solve it, you right. will get far more engagement and far better results than if you try to push it down the organization. Oh, great, great info. This has been a jam-packed interview. You covered so much ground in such a short time. Uh, I, I think people are going to love it, but I do have to ask one final question here before we start rolling. And, you know, we're talking about employee engagement, all that fun stuff. How, if you increase employee engagement three times, uh, you know, will that increase your cash flow three times in three years? I mean, what do, how do you view that? What's your right, math so, around that? So, so what's really interesting is, is it's not a perfect science. So one of our clients just contacted me because he had record, um, record uh, employee engagement. But mm -hmm. one of the things I pointed out to him is I'm worried for him. And the reason I'm worried for him is, some of our highest, highest engagement stores, it, scores come in companies where there's no accountability. So it's basically yep. playland. We can do whatever you want. We can't get fired. And you just puff, you know what, up my you know what. So, <laughs> um, and so my challenge to him was, is his results are not where they should be. Mm -hmm. So engagement is an illusion because what are they engaged around? So right. sometimes you can have high engagement and low results. But that gets back to kind of how you're, what you're rallying everybody around. So 
you need to have a few people that are not happy with you. And that means that you're pushing people harder, that mediocrity is not acceptable. Now, assuming mediocrity is not acceptable, I think it works a lot like when you look at the uh, net promoter score, where they said for every 1% increase in net promoter score, you know, it was worth, you know, a 10% growth rate or something like that. We're seeing the same thing inside companies under engagement, but it's very important we balance. If you ever look at just one metric like engagement, you're going to get yourself in trouble. You got to look at the complete set of measures that tell you your strategy is working, the measures that Mm -hmm. tell you that your departments are functioning well, that your people are happy, that you're, you know, a big loss for a lot of companies. It takes them too long to open positions and they don't put value on the cost of what does it cost you every day a seat is open? What does it cost you every week? It's far more than everybody realizes. So that's costing you a lot of money. So you've got to look at your entire system, figure out where the business leaks are in your system because you can hyper-focus on one thing like engagement score and train wreck your company. Wow. That awesome advice. You've almost left me speechless, which is very rare. <laughs> so yeah, like I was saying, this has been amazing. You've given us so much information to chew on. I definitely want to make sure that once we get a couple months post-pandemic, we get you back on here to talk about the current reality in that time. But in the meantime, how can people reach out to you, Howard? Okay. So we have a website, activategroupinc.com. And that's one way to reach out to us. Another thing a lot of people may want to do is they may want to just start teaching themselves these things of and play around with them first. And so I have two best-selling books out there. You can go to Amazon, Howard M. Shore. You got to do the M because otherwise you've got the guy that does the movies. Uh, and, and then you're going to think <laughs> I, I wrote Lord of the Rings and I did not. Uh-huh. Uh, and you go, Howard M. Shore, your business is a leaky bucket is a really quick read. Uh, it's a million dollar book. Uh, no business wow. will read that book and not add a billion million dollars to the bottom line. And then my latest one is uh, your um, the leader launch pad. And that really starts talking about this ecosystem you have to build. So you're looking at all the, the five parts that drive top performance. Oh, that's great. We will make sure that in the description down below on YouTube, or if you're on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or whatever, we'll have the links for his website, as well as where you can get these books on Amazon. Howard, thank you so much for coming on here. It's been awesome. This has been fantastic. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thanks. Cheers. Wonderful discussion with Howard, right? First, you all know the routine. If you found this interview helpful, if you loved what you heard, please smash that like button, smash that subscribe button, hit that little bell button on YouTube for alerts or whatever gives you alerts in Spotify or iTunes or Google uh, Play, whatever you're listening to. Uh, Please make sure you subscribe to this. Remember, the mission of this show is to build a community of like-minded individuals that are just trying to break through the barriers preventing growth. You might want to grow in business. You might want to grow professionally as a leader. You might want to grow personally. Whatever it may be, we have the experts here on this show. Make sure you like, 
subscribe. But if you really want to do us a solid, okay, let's get Howard Shore. Let's get the Leader Launchpad and Shark Bite Biz trending on social media. You hear me? Share this episode out to LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, wherever it is that you go to hang out on the interwebs. Get it out there. Let's get us all trending. Now, let's get back to Howard. I have a couple different discussion points I want to bring up. But before I do, when you think of the word expert and title, the the title subject matter expert, Howard embellishes those words. He is probably one of the top experts we have had on this show. And I got to admit, I learned a ton from him, both on the interview as well as offline as well. We've had a couple discussions now. Amazing, amazing person. Howard, love you, bro. (laughs) So Howard's story on him being a bulldog is kind of great. That's amazing reflection and him figuring out that there is a better way to get people to do more than the minimum to not just get fired, okay? A business can't operate that way. You can operate with a lot of people, but your margins are going to be small. You're not going to get the ROI, the results that you hoped or dreamed for. Realistically, the business, though, it won't excel And that is until Howard said that he unlocked this piece of knowledge that was his whole staff was only doing about 50% of their full potential. And he had a realization that he could achieve the same amount of results if he had half of his current staff living up to their 100% full potential. You see what I mean there? Because instead of the minimum list, he would hire people that would be maximist and that they would be a lot more engaged. And obviously, for a business that you're trying to grow and become a leader in industry, that's huge. You know, that's giving you a lot of savings, a lot more margin, a lot more money to play with to be able to grow. And it was really remarkable that he was able to realize that kind of in the heat of the moment I took it. And then set him down a path to just go out and figure it out. Trial and error. I mean, that's a story, a cliche that we've all heard in business by now. But it is essentially what Howard had to go through so that he could figure out what all these Fortune 500 businesses were doing to be successful. And how he could mimic that and really just make it work for his business. Everybody out there that watches this show, you know what I do in my day job, as I call it. I run the Northeast region for Vision 33 and also the East Coast using their um, the products SAP Business One and also Sage Intact. I work in the small to medium-sized business space, and I think one of the biggest misconceptions that I see is that companies see all this awesome automation software and they think, huh, this will be overkill. It's too expensive. It's too complicated. I don't need to use what a Fortune 1000 company uses. I'm a $10 million a year business. And having a mindset like that, honest, I think it's going to make your business suffer. One of my key strengths, and I think Howard's too, is that we both allow smaller companies to take advantage of enterprise level technologies and business strategies 
that are essentially scaled down for small biz. It's out there. You just really need to find somebody like Howard or myself to help you unlock it and achieve your greatness. Lastly, Howard gave me another golden nugget with his common mistakes with the KPIs that so many business owners and C-level executives make. Too many times the people making decisions and strategies are not the ones that are in the trenches actually fighting. You always hear it comes from the top down. And I'm a strong, strong, strong believer in that. But oftentimes it comes from the bottom up. So what I'm going to say here is maybe a little bit different than Howard's opinion. It might be a little bit more of my take. I think they're both lined up pretty well. The staff you hired, you hired for a reason. Trust them. With their experience, oftentimes, you do have a plausible solution to whatever challenges you face. Listen to your team. Don't just look at KPIs. Live, breathe, and feel the KPIs and really understand the issues at hand. Allow your front lines to solve it so that way they can help each other's grow. And one, one person on the front line's weakness is probably another one's strengths. So allow them to collaborate, work together. And yes, maybe the upper level people, owners, managers, directors, execs, whatever. Yeah, maybe they have to kind of fine tune that plan for them, okay? But they should have some good ideas as far as what potential solutions can be. And then you can help refine it more for them. This will allow them to work harder, to do more, to be more successful. And most importantly, as Howard was saying, is that they're going to be more engaged. Your team will feel more than just a nine to five person, but they're going to feel like they're the part of something bigger and that they will have an impact. It'll improve engagement and it'll improve sales as well as customer relations. Today's discussion question on social media solving sales issues with your frontline sales rep. Do you believe that that needs to go from the top down or as Howard suggests, from the bottom up? Why? Make sure you discuss here on YouTube, discuss on our social media where you saw this episode posted. And please, please, please do not forget to grab a copy of Howard's book, The Leader Launchpad. It's really extremely highly rated and as always, I will have the link for this down in the description. Once again, thank you for the card and the signature, Howard. Love it. Very, very grateful for this. And I am proud to have this in my book collection. Do you want to be a guest in the show? Do you have a good business story to tell about how your business pivoted? Maybe how your business struggled? How you turned things around? Did your business go out of business? Let others learn from your mistakes. Come be a guest on this show. We'd love to have you here at Shark Bite Biz. Shoot me an email, david at sharkbitebiz.com. And you all know this by now, but I'll say it once again. I'm David Strausser. This is Shark Bite Biz, and we'll see you all next episode. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Shark Bite Biz.
We hope you got some insightful info from this podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us through your favorite podcast app and visit us on the web at www.sharkbitebiz.com. How has business changed for you in the 20s? Email us at podcast at sharkbitebiz.com so you can join us and share your story. 